When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It is Monday, January 4th, and we are here with uh, Pete Sampson and Tim Priester here to wrap up the Notre Dame-Ohio State Fiesta Bowl. Uh, We talked about it, obviously wrote about it extensively. I'm not sure how much we can add to what happened on Friday because, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame competed, but I think Notre Dame kind of competed on the fringes, so to speak. They were down for basically 55 minutes of the game and double digits for about 48, Pete. And, um, it just wasn't a great performance. The injuries finally took their toll, but I'm not sure that that would have made a difference because, you know, Joey Bosa Joey Bosa had four tackles already when he left the game, so yeah. he was going to uh, have a huge imprint on that game if he played four quarters. Yeah, it just you felt like they were always in it but never going to win it. That That's mm-hmm. kind of how that, that the dynamics of those games from the press box felt. Um I didn't think Notre Dame came out in the right mindset at all, which was which was surprising to me. Uh, even though we've seen some slow starts in the past, the fact that the, the defense came out and just did not have a handle on what Ohio State wanted to do offensively was maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but it was. Uh, and then you, you know, even offensively at the beginning of the game with protections. The way Ohio State was coming at, I mean, you saw a lot of broken plays in the beginning of the yeah. game where it just felt like Notre Dame was just in scramble drill. Uh, and that that definitely surprised me. And I think I'm justified in my surprise because I think Notre Dame has been a really good offensive team this year. And the fact that the protections were so off, I mean, I, I'm thinking even the first play of the game where, you know, they kind of move Bosa around a little bit. And then McMill- Rayquan McMillan, their middle linebacker, comes up basically unblocked between Stanley and Nelson. They overload that side of the formation. Uh, it they just it just didn't feel like Deshaun Kaiser was real sharp and didn't see things clearly down yeah. the field. And I mean I wrote this after the game. Sometimes redshirt freshman play like redshirt freshman and this happened to be one of those games for Kaiser. And I'm sure that the you know the receivers weren't open like they normally are against Road other competition, yeah. you know, with the exception of the Will Fuller big play. He really didn't do, didn't do much other than that. Only had like 30 yards or so on five other catches. I thought that I thought in December when Notre Dame was still preparing in South Bend or on campus that they were in the right frame of mind, but you didn't get that feeling when we once we got to Arizona, especially when you heard about Max Redfield. And uh, you know what, whatever exactly Jerry Tillery was uh, responsible for there the night before the game. So um, you know, and Notre Dame lost the point of attack, and I think that that was my biggest concern. My one of my, you know, the matchup of their offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive front, especially once we found out that Sheldon Day was not a hundred percent, and it was clear from the beginning that Sheldon Day didn't have the explosiveness. I think as the game wore on, he played better. And there were instances where he was able to shoot the gap like he normally does, but they couldn't do it consistently. And, you know, Trombetti did a couple good things in the pass rush, but let's face it, he's not prepared 
to face that offensive line in the run game. No, and I, I mean, it was interesting in the beginning of the game. I think we both watched that first drive, and we're like, Sheldon is, is off, and Trombetti is getting overmatched. And I agree, they both sort of grew into the game as the defense grew into the game. Uh, but, I mean, I give Sheldon a ton of credit for Amazing. Sh- showing up and pouring Amazing. his guts out there. Um, you know, he had the foot injury Wednesday in practice. Somewhat miraculously recovered from that. Brian Kelly said that he well, he joked that he knew it wasn't broken because they already broken the NCAA limits for foot for feet this year. <laughs> uh, but then is puking the day of the game, uh, is able to, you know, really play well. Um you know, and then Trombetti did some good things as the game yeah. wore on, too. You know, and it's just like you look at guys like, by the end of the game, the lineup, or really by halftime, the, the lineup that Notre Dame was playing defensively was just not going to hold up. It was a it was an under-talented Notre Dame defense with Schmidt, Grace, Farley out there together without Jalen Smith to sort of make up for stuff. And Sheldon Day told me, I... I asked, I want to know, like, what was the reaction when you see Jalen Smith down on the turf? And Sheldon's just like, look, that's, that is the dude that makes me right, everything right on his defense. He just, like, makes it all come together and cleans up for mistakes that other people are making or plays that they just can't make because they're just yeah. not as talented. Um, and after 11 plays when he went down, as much as Notre Dame kept coming and kept throwing punches, they just were never going to get over the hump. Yeah, I thought Jared Grace, I mean, between the tackles, played a a pretty stout game. But Ohio State made sure he was not playing between the tackles. Well, right, exactly. And and your conversation with Ed Warner after the game, of course, was revealing because once you get Sheldon or uh, uh, Jared Grace moving laterally side to side, he's a much less effective football player. Then consider that you're teaming him up with Joe Schmidt in the middle and you're just, you're not. You're not that athletic. Yeah, and you're—I mean—you're trying to chase down Braxton Miller, former Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, and it's um, that's a, a really difficult situation. Um, but yeah, it's Notre Dame. Whatever Notre Dame had left to pour into that game, they they poured into that game. Um, but it does. I think really the only thing that it would give you concern about their mindset was the the Redfield Tillery combination um, because that well that happens to a lot of teams. This this was seemed to be a fairly close knit team where guys were making decisions based on the best interests of the collective. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I realize you can't get that to happen with eighty five guys. Right. It's kind of unrealistic, but um, they seemed to lose that once they got to Arizona. Yeah, for for whatever for whatever Difficult reason to say. But, you know, Brian Kelly said after the game that he felt like their program is further along three years now. You know, removed from two thousand twelve and the the national championship game and. I, I see where he's coming from there, but I, I mean, I can't. What what prevents me from saying that that's a true statement is the fact that three years ago he had one of the best defenses in Notre Dame history, and where are they now defensively? Because since the first six games of of two thousand fourteen, so we're talking about twenty games, they're giving up twenty nine point five points per game, and I don't care how well your well structured your organization is. When your defense is now giving up three times more than you were three years ago, I don't, you know, where are you? How how sound is the foundation of your program when it's giving up 30 points a game? It's, I mean, the foundation of your defense is not. It's, they're in bad shape defensively right now. I think the foundation of the program overall, and that's like what I wrote in my column. Yeah. Like the, the culture is, I mean, Absolutely. is and, pretty good, um, despite 
you know, the, the departures of Procise and Fuller and what we expect to be Russell and Smith on top of Stanley, like, overall, I think Notre Dame is a, is a pretty good flow in terms of recruiting, um, just in terms of player development. But in terms of the scheme of the defense right now, it's I, I don't know how you could look at that and be like, yeah, let's let's keep doing what we're doing and hope it gets better. They need to make a change. And it was, I mean, it's interesting to go back and watch the game and see after the first drive, Brian Kelly coming over to the defensive backs and coaching yeah. them up on the sideline. Because yeah. you never see that. That's a that's an offensive quarterback driven head coach to come over and have to have a sit down with the the secondary is is not good. Um, with Todd Light standing to the side listening right. to the head or coach coach his after, players after the, I don't know if it was the first drive or the second drive Kelly having a conversation about Van Gorder about basically what Notre Dame is doing defensively that was that's a, that should be a little bit alarming I don't I don't know what Brian Kelly's evaluation is as a defense but surely surely he has to look at that and say we cannot keep doing what we're doing there and expect different results something has to change by the same token can you expect Brian Van Gorder to you know it's like well he needs to be less aggressive and he's yeah. he's the NFL version of John Tenuta i just don't see that happening i don't see him changing his philosophy and his approach now you know Kelly and him have a a relationship that extends way way back um, so, so maybe, you know, some inroads can be made there in that conversation, but I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. And how, how can we expect an improvement when Jalen Smith, Sheldon Day, Romeo Quar in the second half that he had, the brains of the operation, Joe Schmidt, with those guys gone, I, I just don't see how you can anticipate an improvement. It's all, I mean, it is almost like the 2013 to 2014 transition where there was such a heavy personnel loss where like the identity of the defense changed. And I think... When Kelly hired Van Gorder, it felt like a, a good move because you had some maybe more attacking athletic personnel. You were losing some of the bulk and Stefan <clears throat> Tewitt, Lewis Nix, guys like that. Uh, it made sense. Maybe a change makes sense again because your personnel, again, is changing uh, fairly dramatically with all the guys that you mentioned. That's probably a good segue into a couple guys that are losing offensively. Will Fuller and C.J. Procise, who I think have probably been our most debated personnel stay or go type guys. Um, I guess were you all that surprised when they both decided to go? No, I mean, I guess I tend to look at those things that I, maybe I look optimistically in terms of them returning, maybe overly op- optimistically. I, I'm not, I guess I'm, su- I'm surprised at Fuller because he made such a definitive statement yeah. the week of Boston college. I don't know why he would have done that. And then, Nordame Sports Info going to him and saying, are you sure you want to say that? And he said, yeah, at the time. Well, a couple weeks removed now, and, and he changes his mind. I, You know, as I look at those two, and I don't think you agree with me on this with regard to ProSize, but, I mean, as far as Fuller, I'm not sure how Fuller can improve. Of course, he can be more consistent mm-hmm. catching the football, but he has small hands. His hands aren't going to grow. So, I mean, yeah. he's basically going to be the same receiver next year and so I can understand why he would go to the NFL. Procise, I, I don't agree with from the standpoint that, he, that he's not a complete back. He hasn't learned how to play the position yet. And I think he would be a much more draftable, attractive candidate if he had another full season where, A, he could stay healthy, and, B, he could learn to get his pad level down, and he could just be a more consistent runner. But maybe it's just a matter of being healthy because he really wasn't healthy the last half of the season. No, and I... 
I feel like Fuller could have got better by coming back and just sort of hanging out with the jugs all offseason. Um, you know, he has small hands. You're right. They're not going to grow. Uh, he can still be more consistent catching the football, flipping his hands better. Uh, pro size, I just feel like pro size is what he is. I, I don't think he would have gotten a whole lot better if he'd come back. He's he's athletic. He has good hands. He's got really yeah, good speed. Yeah, but just speed. reps at he the position. High. Reps at the position yeah. would make you a more complete back. Yeah, I mean, that's... And I guess when I say he wouldn't have got better, I mean that in the sense of he wouldn't have been drafted any higher. You know, would he have been a better back with more work? Yes. But then you have to deal with Leonard Fournette and the guys are coming out yeah. next year. They're going to bump taking you that. down the same right. way that the guy like Dalvin Cook next year. He's not going to be better than those guys. Um, I also thought the way that his injury was described was interesting over the last month because you kind of got the sense that Brian Kelly was like, he's ready to go, right. but isn't comfortable playing through pain. And then you watch the bowl game where he essentially gets one rep. Yeah, he made such a half-hearted attempt yeah. at the swing pass. And he came right out then, did he not? And yeah, I, and that was it. And he ne- he never came back on the field. So, you know, that's a little disappointing. I, I, I'm not in the... You know, I'm not one of those, oh, a guy made a mistake. It's his life. It's mm-hmm. their lives. I mean, man, do what you... Who are we to say a, a mistake? Of course, we would love for those guys to be back on the Nordic team. Hey, Will you Fuller know, from was a, really fun to cover. Yeah, I mean, that was great watching yeah. him from the press box every no, week. No doubt. And that's why, I mean, and, and we may disagree on this too. I'm not sure if you made the statement about the receiving core next year and were you talking about that the receiving that you think the receiving core is still going to be good without Will Fuller? No, I don't. I don't okay, know. I heard some people. I heard <laughs> yeah. some people in the press say that. I'm like, wait a minute. You're going to remove a guy that scored 29 touchdowns in the last 26 games. You're also going to lose your number two receiver in Chris Brown, who I think really became good. a really good receiver this year. Equinemius St. Brown, I'm sure he's got a lot of ability, but we have no idea how good he's going to be. Torrey Hunter now has to become a huge component of the passing game. Miles Boykin, I think, has a chance, but we have no idea. I mean, I think that I think the recent Amir Carlisle's gone. I mean, I think the receiving core has been devastated by losses. And so, you know, we talk about the defense. Where is it going to be next year? I'm not sure where the offense is going to be. And I think that Nick Martin and Ronnie Stanley are two huge losses as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're they're suffering some serious personnel loss. I mean, at a minimum, you could have taken C.J. Prosize, moved him to slot receiver again, and then moved Torrey Hunter out to, like, one of the outside positions and gotten, you know, a little boost of extra athleticism. And we saw what Ohio State's offense looked like and how hard that was to deal with two running backs in the backfield right. with a running quarterback. Um, Notre Dame could have done that next year with ProSize and Folston, ProSize and Adams. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that will now be Hunter and Adams. I don't know. But um, it both they're going to have to reinvent themselves a little bit offensively. I have a lot of confidence that the Kelly Denbrock-Sanford trio will get that yeah. job done. This, I don't think... Some people were discussing this on our message board about, well, I think the offense will be improved next year. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I still think the offense could be good. Yeah, um, you know, they're different. That's okay. I, I think the offense could be good enough. It, the the defense is a much bigger. Question. I don't see. I, I mean, I don't see how it can be improved when you take Will Fuller out of the equation. Yeah, it's, it was, a, it's a touchdown a game. I mean, it was the most efficient rush offense since the end of the Lou Holtz right. era. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. 
You're not going to have that again next year without a Stanley-Martin combination. No, J- Josh Adams can be the big play running back that he was and comparable to what ProSize was, but that's not that's not Folston's game per se. He's not a big play guy, and he's coming off of an ACL. I mean, I think they can absorb the C.J. ProSize loss with the exception of maybe that that consistent huge play opportunity that they get every time he's on the field when he's healthy. But the receiving core, man, I yeah, you've really... You've got to remake that receiving core. And who's the, you know, Corey Robinson? Yeah, we don't know where Corey Robinson is next year. So it's, I mean, he had a, he had a disappointing junior year, and you just wonder, like, where is he going to be as a senior? Yeah. Where's, uh. where's his focus? How committed to he's a He's a, you know, hey, look, he's a wonderful kid with a lot of interest, and football just is just one of them. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, offensively, it's a total rebuild. Defensively, I still feel like they have some nice components there, um, but how they get reassembled is is a complete mystery. So, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap up segment one on this. Just like the whole Team 127 thing, I wrote this in my column. It was an, uh, Brian Kelly did a very good job this year of sort of giving this team little bits of identity and sound bites and things that were easily digestible and they could sort of like, okay, this is who we are and, you know, let's move forward with it. Team 127 was part of that. Ultimately, I mean, how, how do you remember this team? I, you know, resilient. Uh, you know, the ultimate next man in team, obviously. And I think they had great leadership. And, I, you know, I don't know what, you know, if some of those things were lacking in Arizona. We talked about we weren't sure about the focus at that point. And, you know, losing at the... You hate the losses at the end of the season, and that that seems to be a real trend with Notre Dame. Obviously, in the in the major bowls, they, they've they've really struggled. But I, I don't think that you can discount the leadership that was on this team. It was outstanding, and about as resilient of a football team as you're ever going to find in Notre Dame. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun team to watch and a really fun team to cover. And I do not say that about every Notre Dame team that I've I've covered in 16 years doing this. Um, uh, the leadership was good, and it, they, I mean, they were an incredibly talented team. Also, I mean, their best win was Navy or Temple. Um, yeah. So that's, it's hard to overlook that aspect of it, too, where they just didn't really, their signature moments were losses, mm-hmm. uh, and there was, and they ran out of gas at the end. So it's, I mean, I guess it's like, if you want to say their best moment was, falling behind against USC at home and then rallying to win or yeah. coming back at Virginia. Uh, I mean, those were really cool moments as they were happening. But you look big picture, it's you, you just feel like there were so many missed opportunities and, and ultimately you feel like maybe those opportunities were taken away due to injury. That's exactly what I wanted to say was missed opportunities. And I don't think it was taken away due to injury because – Injuries didn't cost the defense. Jerron Jones not having him was huge, but I do think it was it, it was a very good year with great leadership, but it was a missed opportunity this year. It could have been more. Okay, we'll come back for segment two and take questions from our readers. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com is our burning up the board segment, starting with Mr. McBrogue, who asks, how is the defense that bad? Can we now say that this is about coaching and not injuries or eye discipline or focus or a few big plays? Yeah, it. Yeah, you can say that. They, I mean, all those things were true. 
Um, they did have a lot of injuries. Their idea was bad. They weren't that focused, and they gave up a lot, a, more than a few big plays. They gave up a ton. So how is it that bad? I think they just they tried to do too many different things. Um, it was overly complicated, and it when you get overly complicated and then a bunch of injuries, you end up with the inconsistencies that we saw. I mean, I discipline was like turned into a, cl- a cliche by the end of the year. Yeah. It was a new buzzword in September and then just was kind of tired and played out by the end of November. I just, I don't, the job of a coach is to maximize the players that you put on the field. And clearly I don't think that that's happening. I, you know, and again, I, I keep going back to how, how can they be better when you now no longer have Sheldon Day, Jalen Smith, a much improved Romeo Quar over the second half of the season. I just don't see how that's, feasible within this system and then you know you never really straighten out the situation at safety although Elijah Shoemate certainly played better of course when he leads the team in tackles in Ohio State game that's a really yeah. bad sign because it's it's on the back end of the defense so I mean yeah I guess we can sit and point fingers and say that Joe Schmidt physically isn't good enough to do this and point to some some other things but still I mean Joe Schmidt was the brains of the operation and now you remove him from the equation too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think you can ever say it's one thing. It's 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 collective, but certainly there those players are not being maximized at this point. No, I totally agree on that. Wash ND after seeing how Deshaun Kaiser played the last four games, not bad, but pretty inconsistent and or turnover prone. Do you still think that it's Kaiser's job to lose going into twenty sixteen? Malik Sayer's dynamic running ability and his ability to take care of the football were sorely missed against Ohio State. I have to believe there will be a genuine competition in the spring. Do you? Do I think it's Kaiser's job to lose going into 2016? Yes, because it is his job right now, definitely. Uh, Will there be a genuine competition? I think it's in the team's best interest and the quarterback's best interest to turn the spring into that type of competition. But I have to give the edge to Kaiser because he's a proven commodity. And does he turn it over too much in the red zone? Absolutely, that happened. But I don't think that's just on him. I think the coaching staff has to shoulder the blame for some of that as well. But I I think it's unfortunate that Zaire is in this situation, but it's Kaiser's job to lose. And I'm not sure what Zaire can do in practice in the spring to take the job away from him. Yeah, I mean, he might not be able to do much in the spring just from a physical standpoint. It seems like he's making a lot of progress. Um, But, you know, is it Kaiser's job to lose? I guess, sort of, but I would be fairly stunned if Brian Kelly didn't describe the quarterback competition as open in August. Of course, yes. Um, Certainly in the spring. Yeah. In the spring, if Zaire's healthy, then yeah. You know, it's in terms of did Kaiser play well enough to like lock it down? No, he didn't. But, you know, the red zone turnovers and things like that, you look at the progress that Reese and Golson made from their first year starting to their second year starting, it was it was massive. I mean, Golson went, I think he had an 18-3 touchdown to interception ratio his senior year when he was turning it all over the place right. in the red zone. And I believe Reese was something like 15-3 to or 15-4. to um, If Kaiser makes that jump... Um, and I think he finished the regular season nine to five. You know, if, if he can put together a fifteen to three, then I think that's that's where this offense can really improve. Yeah. And, and that and you don't need Will Fuller to to make that jump. Um, you just you need better quarterback play and better decision making. And I think 
the reason it's his job to lose is because the guy was brilliant with the game on the line in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. He did it at the end of first tabs, and he did it at the end of games. So, I mean, I just don't think that you can discount that. And I like Malik Zaire. I mean, I, I think he brings a, a dimension to the game that Kaiser doesn't in terms of how he runs. He's more of a a, a big play runner, although you had Kaiser's run against Temple, of course. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, I guess it's a, we always say in this situation. Well, it's a good it's a good situation to have too. It's a healthy situation. It can get unhealthy, you know, mm-hmm. because of the nature of the competition. And we know, I mean, we know how Malik Zaire felt when he was waiting for his time. Then his time came, and he only got two games to to really get into it. So um, I do think it's uh, by and large it's a good situation to have. But it doesn't competitions at quarterback aren't always the healthiest thing for your team either. Yeah, that's true, and. But I, I think from Kaiser's perspective, you do have to look at the last four games. Wake Forest, Boston College, Stanford, and Ohio State played really well in one of those. Yeah. and But that was it. Um, struggled a little bit down yeah. the stretch. You'd, you'd I, I have to consider I wouldn't that. put the Ohio State all on him. I think no. that's a collective thing as far as his performance. But, um, you know, we'll see. It, you know what the spring's going to be like. And again, if... Zaire's healthy. And I think Zaire will be healthy enough to be out there. And sure feels like that's trending yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a that that's not a competition I'm looking forward to because it's an unanswerable question in the spring. So we're going to speculate about that just like we are right now. Yeah. Uh, Loper forty nine. Does the knee injury to Jalen Smith impact his decision to enter the draft? No, I mean he'll he'll turn pro. And I mean, you look at this from perspective. Would you rather be paid to rehab? Or would you rather rehab for free? Would you rather rehab in an NFL facility or in a college facility? I mean, that's the that that's a no brainer. He it is. I hate I hate to use the word tragedy, but it feels like that when you see him go out there, tear up his knee, and essentially he'll may cost himself ten million dollars for eleven plays in a bowl game. I mean that that's is difficult to watch. Um, but no, I, I I don't think it makes it any more likely that he comes back. I, I think if anything, it I think makes it makes it more likely, likely that he will leave. Right, right. And I think there was zero chance he was coming back yeah. anyway. Was, I mean, during the broadcast, the announcers were talking about how he could be a number one overall pick before his uh, injury. I mean, you hadn't seen that written up a whole lot of places. But um, yeah, he's a once in a generation. Physical specimen at that at that position. It's uh, it's a shame that this is how his career is going to end at Notre Dame. But yeah, it's I think the knee injury makes it more likely that he leaves. L. R. Iris asked, "Do you foresee Notre Dame losing any coaches or moving any coaches in the upcoming months?" Um, yes, I, I feel like it's a better than fifty percent chance that the staff will change, and that is not going on a limb at all because that happens almost yeah. every other year. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that Brian Kelly likes what he has at most of the spots. I talked to him a little bit about Todd Light uh, at his press conference a couple days before the game, and he said Todd Light is growing into that job. That's what we knew we were going to get, and he's giving us more than we thought in recruiting. So overall, I think Notre Dame likes what they have in Todd Light. We've talked about that a lot this year. He's He has a really difficult job if everyone was healthy, and then he got dealt a pretty bad hand on top of it. <clears throat> to me, it's it's the defensive coordinator position. I think everything else looks looks fairly good from Brian Kelly's perspective. It, it is a... Man, when you ask Todd Light to coach four positions, 
And, you know, the cornerback yeah. position is different than the safety position. Yeah. It's not, you know, I guess you can say that about all the offensive line spots, too. Guards different than tackle, et cetera. But, but it's uh, not tight ends or running backs. Right. You know, it's just, it's tough. It's yeah. a tough spot. So, I, yeah, I, I think that they'll, I think the staff will look a little bit different next year. I don't know how, and I don't know who, but I just don't think they're going to do what they did this year again. Offensively, I mean, I don't see any changes. No, no, I, I, I don't. And it's like, it's disappointing and underwhelming as the kickoff return game was in the bowl game. Overall, I thought the special teams were quite good this year. I mean, as as good, as probably as good as they've been since Kelly has been here. The kick return team in the bowl game was that was embarrassing. Yeah, that, that was, was re- hard, di- that was ridiculous. That was difficult to understand what was happening. There. Five returns for sixty yards. That yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. What. You'll read about that in the yeah. tale of the That's tape. The <laughs> number, it was the nation's number three kickoff return coverage team, Ohio State. So they were quite good at that all They year. are good. But okay. they shouldn't be I'll that give good. give them that. Well, no, because when Sanders is is getting contact inside the 10 on a regular right. basis, that's just that's ridiculous. All right, Trooper lacks 10. Given the multitude of injuries this year, does Notre Dame need to take a hard look at a strength and conditioning program? I mean, I... It, it, People, a lot of people ask this question, and it's a natural thing for a program to do. I don't know that it's necessarily. Uh, well, yeah, okay, strength and conditioning, and you you have to. Is it both? Is it one? Is it the strength part over the conditioning part? I don't know. I don't know that there's necessarily reason to point a finger at people because of of what's happened. But I also know, and I've said this, you know, a couple times here recently. This is three years in a row that at the end of the year, Notre Dame has been lamenting injuries. Three years in a row. And it's a physical game. I think injuries, I don't know if it, if the stats bear this out, but it seemed like injuries were up this year. Uh, it, the NFL is dealing with an, mm-hmm. uh, a rash of injuries. It's the nature of the game, of course. But, uh, uh, yeah, you take a look at it. Of course you do. Brian Kelly is, as you said, in crossing the lines, which I thought was excellent. I mean, he's tended to many, many aspects of the program, and the whole program's on solid footing. And it, it's a natural thing to take a closer look and yeah. see what you can do. And it's like, I don't know if Paul Longo's going to come out and admit this publicly. Probably not. But I got to think he looks at and be like, okay, what am I missing here? How can I improve this? How can mm-hmm. I upgrade what we're doing here to, you know, take some more preventative measures? Who's doing this better than we are? Um, I don't think Notre Dame is in a position where they look and be like, well, we're doing it the best, and this is just bad luck. I don't, that doesn't cut it, nor do I think Brian Kelly or Paul Longo would accept that if, if somebody brought it up. and said, if, if Jack Swarbrick went to Longo and Kelly would be like, eh, don't worry about injuries. Like, it's just bad luck. Kelly and Longo are not going to hear that. Like, no. they'll be like, no, we need to figure out what's doing better. There's, I mean, there was an interesting discussion about this on our message board last night about what's going on at Stanford, how they seemingly never have any season ending or really serious injuries, how they train a lot differently, they do a lot more core and stability work to like center the athletes instead of, you know, maybe bulking them up and making them a little bit more top heavy. But at the same time, I feel like a couple of years ago, we were complimenting Paul Longo for making the Notre Dame football team a lot bigger and a lot stronger. Um, I don't know if there's a relation to that with injuries. And I think this is a good point to bring up. Like the first two years of Brian Kelly's regime here, they were pulling hamstrings every other practice. I mean, it was bad. And Kelly admitted, look, we got to, we got to look at this because this is just not good enough. Um, We got to train differently. And then, 
you stop seeing hamstrings all the time. Kelly has been, when asked about it this season, like, I don't really know what to do, but I don't really know what else he's able to, is going to say in mid-September yeah. or mid-October about ACLs, MCLs, high ankle sprains, shoulders, things like that. Like that, that that's not a time for him to take stock of that. Now would be a good time. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure that's well, what he's doing right I'm now. At, yeah, I'm recruiting while well, tending to recruiting yes. too. But I don't think it it's not as much what is Notre Dame doing wrong as what are other people doing right. You know, yeah. I mean in terms of that's how, what your due how can diligence Notre Dame improve what it's doing. Right. That's what your due diligence is in the off season is to come up with a, yeah, I mean, and ultimately you may say, Okay, we were doing this wrong, but Stanford is one program. Um Ohio State, I think, okay, has yeah. done some has done some things uh, different in their strength and conditioning. And yeah, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your program and your players to look to see what some other people are doing and what they may be doing right. All right, last question, blue chip man. What is the toughest issue Brian Kelly needs to address this offseason that goes against his nature or his ego? A decision with Brian Van Gorder, and it goes against his nature, which is to he he likes the you know the status quo with his coaching staff. He would prefer he likes the familiarity. With yes, absolutely. Staff. He's much more comfortable with that. He he would choose familiarity over big name. Yes, um, and obviously he's got a, a great familiarity with Brian Van Gorder, and I don't see him making the call that I I need to make a change. Um, that because that's his nature. Yeah, I agree. That that would that would go against his nature at Notre Dame. You look at sort of the staff changes that they've had. You really couldn't point to one and say this coach was dismissed. You know, right. would Charlie Molnar have returned for year three? Probably not. Um, but he got a head coaching job instead. Um, you know, would I, I'm not sure where things would have gone with Chuck Martin after a couple years as offensive coordinator. But he got a head coaching job. No coaches have been just dismissed outright, um, so that would that would go against his nature in terms of the track record here. I also would say that the Mike Sanford hire went against his nature last year, and that worked out great. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody out there that you could bring in to help and would fit in with your current defensive staff, because I do think he really likes the Gilmore Elston light combination front to back. Um, certainly likes Bob Elliott as defensive analyst. Maybe there's there's a move you can make there. I, I don't know what it would be, um, but he went sort of outside his nature in terms of finding guys that he's worked with before and has familiar with when he hired Mike Sanford. Is there a defense coordinator out there that would fit that bill? I don't know, but uh, I, I think that's a question he, has yeah. to, he at least has to ask. What, other, what, what comes to mind when you hear tough issues that Brian Kelly has to deal with. I, I mean, I think that's it. Right. I mean, it's that, yeah. I mean, it's injuries, which we just talked about. Yeah. It's injuries. How do you get them healthier? Uh, and then how do you get the defense to be greater than the sum of its parts? Because um, this year it wasn't. I think recruiting's in a pretty good spot. Um, you'd like to sign more defensive ends every year. You'd like to find some yeah. Joey Boses, but that Notre Dame has historically struggled with that. I think they do a good job at Firstly, every other position. I think well, they, they've upgraded a linebacker recruiting over the last few cycles. I think that's continuing. They've signed a ton of, or they have a ton of defensive backs coming in. 
mean, Khalid Kareem is exciting now. He won MVP yeah. of the All-Star game he played in over the weekend. Um, he'll be an early enrollee. Dalen Hayes probably becoming a defensive end here sooner yeah. rather than later. I do I do think that they, I mean, they're bringing in some impact defensive linemen and not and beyond those two as well, whereas they, they, I don't believe they did that at all last year. So that's encouraging. When, when are we going to do this next, Pete? Let's go next Monday. January 11th, so I think we'll probably have a final decision on Kavari Russell and Jalen Smith by that point. Have recruiting news from the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, where Notre Dame is uh, in line to pick up Javon McKinley next weekend. So we should have plenty of stuff to talk about. It's the offseason, but not really, because there is real no offseason with Notre Dame football. So until next week, Tim Priester, Pete Sampson, hopefully we'll have Tim O'Malley back as well. You've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com.